welcome to Second Act Podcast. As I always say, it is a continuation, yet an evolution, the act of finding meaning, fulfillment, and a deep sense of purpose. In the beginning, I thought this medium would be a place to learn from experiences of others. During what this platform has given us and so many recordings that we have done, the name itself has become synonymous to so many different ideas. For some, it spells hope, for the others, inspiration, and for me today, it purely spells power. It is a place where people come to narrate their experiences, a place of learning and viewing the world from someone else's perspective, a place to share, learn, confess, express, and take away. We at Second Act truly believe that learnings happen through conversations. Second Act is um, somewhere that uh, we have such inspirational stories which have moved people's lives. Uh, there are people who are doing such fantastic things and uh, my today's guest has a story to tell in every part of uh, herself that she brings in. Um, there is, of course, her professional side, there is also her social side, and there is her play side. And we would like to know more about it. So we are talking about Priyal Kaney. Uh, she is an Indian chartered accountant by qualification, uh, currently working within consulting. Um, outside of work, she's an international athlete. She has represented India for more than seven years for winning more than 100 medals. Oh, my goodness and break three national records. I don't know how you do it, <clears throat> see, um, you know, uh, all this kind of athlete uh, work. And not only that, but running a nonprofit organization and minimum five TED talks that she's given. So uh, I've not finished yet. And uh, she's also the uh, UN woman, um, you know, of uh, India, uh, spearheading the gender equality campaign. Uh, she's the LinkedIn content creator, and I don't know what to say, uh, you know, about all that, that, you know, it's mentioned here. So, uh, Priyal, I'm short of words. Welcome to Second Act. Normally, we have one act, two acts, and there are, like, so many here. So, it's an honor to have you. I don't know how you do what you do. So, why don't you start <laughs> from your journey of a total finance person to you know, doing all these various roles. Welcome. Thanks a lot, uh, Arjuna, for the warm welcome and the great introduction. And I'm really looking forward to our conversation over the next uh, 30 minutes or so. So to give you a brief uh, background about me, uh, I was always a curious kid. I would say super curious. So while I was in school also as a student, as much as I loved academics, I would also be very interested in exploring opportunities or other things happening outside of the academic world. So I used to be involved in sports. There used to be a lot of uh, student-led clubs in my school. There used to be scouts and guides and everything. So I used to always be all over the place. In fact, uh, my, my dad, his job commitments were such that he used to come home like once a week or probably three, four times a month. So he used to always say, you know, every time I come back and I speak to you, you're always doing something new. Like from where do you get all this mad energy within you? So... Very similarly, uh, like continuing with my trajectory, I was already in sports, was doing uh, basketball, throwball, chess and a couple of others before I stumbled upon shooting at the age of 13. And uh, because I had already done sports before, I think when I first picked up a rifle, I kind of knew that this sport is very different from what I've already been doing. Yeah. And you just get that inner intuition that, you know, probably this is it. This is 
your true passion or this is what you would you really want to do so i i got that instant connection uh, with shooting within a matter of a few months and then there was obviously no looking back so at the age of 13 i started it at the age of 15 i made my first international debut at germany now when i look back i i really realized that you know i i took on some big responsibilities very early on in the teenage in my in my teen years but i think after that competition at germany uh, it kind of widened my horizon it made me realize that you know this is more than just a passion now it's more than just a hobby it's it's become a big game now you're wearing the tricolor representing india so yeah. i kept at it and at the same time the the nerd in me as you can say it also had some academic goals in mind so while shooting happened so the chartered accountancy happened and then after ca there was the next big question that uh, what next uh, what can i look at and explored a lot of avenues had already done auditor tax uh, to some extent when i was doing my article trip for my uh, ca so i knew i did not want to go back to it and that is how i stumbled upon consulting and now currently i'm working in consulting as far as my ngo is concerned uh, it purely started off a stem from my love for sports uh, sport really changed me as an individual and it gave me the opportunity to actually live such good experiences which otherwise wouldn't have been possible the, the opportunity to travel different countries meet different people the entire cross cultural exchange and i also know that a lot of kids out there do not have the access to similar opportunities they do not have access to sport because as a volunteer i have already i had already worked with uh, children from underprivileged communities to child rights and you and a few other ngos so i decided you know why not start an ngo by which i can continue to merge my passion for working in the social impact space and sports and also do something impactful so that is how my ngo play and shine actually started in 2018 and i'm so glad um, that we've come a long way it's been 4 years and people often ask me like you did you know uh, how you do what you do but I truly believe that when you're passionate about something, you always figure out a way to manage it all. Yes, but uh, ultimately we have 24 hours, and uh, <laughs> I regret day. that. <laughs> so I I always keep telling my mom, you know, can somebody just create three more hours in this day magically, <laughs> and I can just tick off everything that I have on my plate for today? Yeah, because. I think you should do one course on time management for people to understand <laughs> how you actually divide your time and I think that will be very very insightful as well. So I think your story is not usual it is not regular thing that you're doing in your day to day and suddenly you know you discovered something like your second act. But um it's an intentional journey right it is an intentional journey like you said that um you know while you were even younger well where parents struggle to tell the kids you know don't waste time you know this is precious when you look back you'll say oh my god what i have done here are were your parents who were so surprised by your ability to keep reinventing yourself so you have a great um unusual side of you know somebody it's not so I mean I just want to know a little bit more is it like something that I mean you worked on yourself was very natural and you're working on very diverse topics it's not like you know they are similar in nature well uh, accountancy is totally very <laughs> analytical you know number driven etc social work is completely coming from heart and of course uh, sport is coming from uh, area of like well being so they are very unrelated yet you know you come, kind of bring them together how how did all this happen 
so i also often um, ask myself a question like now my ngo is pretty well set and everything streamlined but i always look back and i'm like you know what was that one thing back in 2018 that actually gave me the courage to take the leap of faith or okay. back in 2008 or 9 when i picked up a rifle for the first time what was that one thing to that you know actually uh, made me take that leap of faith because there there are both sides to it either it could have not worked out at all or there is also a side uh, where it could have worked out and then there are endless possibilities so i think just the fact that um, this actually stems a lot from what i have learned through sport is you take the leap of faith and even if you you fail start looking at failure as nothing but a stepping stone to success so Uh, of course before i started sports or before shooting really happened to me my mom was my biggest support system and she was my biggest cheerleader so my initial years of shooting there were phases where i probably did not believe in myself as to what i could achieve or how far i could go and that's when she was a pillar of strength and i knew one thing that when she bet on me i could bet on myself so wow. that was a very important validation that i always had but now much later on um, when i take on things like working in consulting or working uh for my ngo or doing anything else i do with respect to linkedin or un i think it comes from the fact that the fear of failure has really really died down i look at failure now as wow. nothing but a stepping stone to success so i keep telling myself before i try something you know, you know the worst case scenarios i fail i fall to the ground i fall on my face but it's okay i'll i'll still be better than what i would be had i not even tried or had i not even like given this a shot so I'm someone who uh, who really has started taking the risks now because I've I've realized that the the benefits of putting yourself out of your comfort zone is endless rather than you know continuing to play safe. I think you spoke such valuable uh, emotions here about uh, you know how when parents support and stand on their back or the kind of confidence I think children feel and how you really. uh also describe the way uh, that you've dealt with failures and you know ready to take on the next notch because there is a learning in everything and what is the worst that will happen i think it's every sentence is beautiful and thank you i'm sure that people who are hearing us and looking at us are hearing such inspirational words which will motivate them and there is no other way uh you are also a woman of substance and uh needless to say that your story i'm sure inspires a lot of women out there um but it's also very unusual for a woman in sport um you know however much we are trying to create an equal world there are still social conditionings our own mental blocks uh what is your journey been like as a woman in sport um so i think it's not just about the women in sport aspect as a sports person i was the first in my family to actually pursue sport at this level so uh, even when i decided that i want to do shooting very seriously of course the aspect was uh, a few of my relatives had their aspect that you know you're a girl you should you shouldn't do shooting like i have got such weird questions asked with respect to shooting because shooting is a sport where you train with a 6 and a half kg rifle and the event i do happens in the open so i train in the scorching heat and then i've had people come and tell me that you know if you are going to train for 4 to 5 hours with a 6 and a half kg rifle you're going to develop a masculine physique you're going to start looking manly no guy will marry you or you'll ruin your skin you'll become dark you'll develop a brown tan and it just amazes me how these little things are actually more important than what i'm actually accomplishing as a shooter so of course i've uh, i've had my fair share of uh, being stereotyped or having these kind of questions but the good thing was uh, mom was always very supportive and 
and dad knew that when she's got my back everything is fine and everything so my immediate support system was really really helpful and as i was learning as a shooter like when i played my first match uh, and represented my school then i represented mumbai then maharashtra happened and when india happened like along the way as i was learning so was my family so it was like an experience for us all together it was not just me learning and they guiding me you know they are also trying to learn and and now when i look back i i really understand how crucial their role was because not only were they learning along the way but they were also giving me the support that i need so for me it was like i'm learning and then i'm looking up to them for validation but for them it is like learning at the same time trusting me and at the same time being my support system which is like much more tough than me just putting myself out there so i think their role has been humongous in this through the way that's great and so what could be the roadblocks that you uh, you know that come in the way of being a woman sports person or you felt yourself did anything come in the way just because you were a woman and in sport uh, having you know doing a sport which is also very unusual for for women to like you said holding a rifle which is 6 1/2 kgs etc so and also like you know it's more like manly to you know just do that stereotype so so what were the kind of a bottleneck so you know barriers that came in the way so i think in a very professional context as a professional rifle shooter uh, there was no element of gender bias that I, that i ever faced on the shooting oh. range or in the selection process and i really consider myself lucky for that because shooting as a sport it's, it's very transparent like right from the selection process to the rules everything happens in a very uh, transparent manner and it's with one of the rare sports where that happens but of course when it comes to being in general stereotype by uh, people around me or or my relatives like i'd mentioned it yes that's happened and and in a way it did bother me initially but that was what really made me a much stronger person very early on in life so if, by the end of my teenage by the time i was 19 20 i already knew that you know at the end of the day the only thing that matters is where you see yourself and what matters to you the most what anyone else thinks or any free advice coming your way or any criticism you just need to shut it off because it doesn't matter if you're going to succeed it's the same people who are going to stand and clap and if you're going to fail they are the same ones who are going to come and tell you you know we are warned you so at the end of the day it's it's you it's your life and you have to choose your battles wisely so i really stop paying attention to all these things and it's it's very funny so like i interact with a lot of ca students and chartered accountants like you know it's a very tough course so a lot of people struggle to clear it in the first attempt and they are still coping up with the ca exams even though they are 23 24 25 and it's a very tough space to be in and this is one thing that i always tell them that you know i started my ca after graduation which was 2 years later than most of my peers so when i was doing the entire process people were like you're two years late it's a, such a stupid decision what if you never clear clear ca finally your career will be over and now when i'm on the other side i have cleared my ca i'm working in in consulting with a very good firm and i've given my ted talks i'm managing my ngo the same people are like you know we always knew it you are going you are going to pull it off so it's it's just a phase so even if you feel you're stuck anywhere in life trust me it's just a phase you just need to like gather yourself and keep 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 pushing and don't really care about or don't compare your timeline or your career trajectory to anyone else ever 
and how beautiful just these people come you know in our lives who firstly put us down <laughs> and then you say and take all the credit you know for like yeah yeah but i just tell you what it's fine you know <laughs> this is exactly how i uh, thought that you will lead your life and whatever so all the credit also goes to their thought process etc uh, yeah i think we need to just uh, mindfully choose not to listen and um, you know like you said just believe in your own self and that's very beautiful but um, uh, I think you must be one of the lucky ones who said the gender bias was not faced by you, um, which is all around us, um, uh, not in only uh, any, uh, any one profession, but mostly in all professions. And of course, uh, because the conversations have started around it, there are a lot of people who now express it in a certain way. Women have literally, you know, uh, trying to lift each other up and, you know, creating the spaces where we can also bring in these topics. Uh, but still, sport is an alien concept for women. Not so many join. Uh, why do you think that uh, we stop ourselves? Or is it, why do you think, is it a conditioning? Is it that something that we start from the very, you know, since we're very young to say, it's not for me, I can't do it, these kind of thoughts. What do you think stops us? I think there is a whole host of stereotypes that actually play a very big role in this. And I, sports is such a thing there are you can be at your highest and you can get your lowest low and it's it's something very tough to pursue without having any kind of a support system and when it comes to women and, and even girls as a matter of fact for them finding any kind of support system is, is very very tough like for example when I work with girls through my NGO the minute they hit puberty or the minute their menstrual cycle starts they just pull out of sport because the entire taboo around menstruation that no you shouldn't get out of the house or you shouldn't pursue uh -huh. sport then especially when you're talking about sports mm -hmm. like gymnastics and swimming their right. parents are just not willing to send them secondly the same sports that i mentioned the kind of attire that is expected to be worn not a lot of people are comfortable with it and lastly like looking at a woman making a career in sport is, is still something that many people are comfortable with. If you're still a guy and you're like, oh, I want to become an athlete or I want to become a coach or something, it, it's fine. Like, even if we look around, we've all been to school, we've had our PT teachers. How many of our PT teachers are male and how many of them are female? So uh, even when I tell someone, this is like a fun exercise that I actually do with kids at my injury, I just tell them, you know, imagine a PT teacher. And very instinctively, every one of them just imagines a male PT teacher because that's how our brains are engineered. We just stereotype certain job roles with a particular gender. So looking at a woman coach or looking at a woman referee or looking at women holding an administrative board, an administrative position, any sports board, it's still tough for us also to process. Until we don't normalize this, it, it, it just becomes even the more challenging for any woman also to put herself out there and, you know, be like, it's okay, I'm, I'm a one-man army and I'm going to still make my career in sports. So it's it's double the effort it's, it's even the more tough and i think that's one of the main reasons why a lot of women don't choose sport as a career ultimately so what do you think we as people should do to make it a space which is equal so i think we we really need to uh, support like for example now also there are so many sports happening there are there's women's cricket and then there's men's cricket you, you see the difference between these two kinds of sports. So coming out and supporting women's sport specifically or coming out and taking initiatives. For example, there are a lot of train-the-trainer programs that happen uh, now that sports has been given equal uh, parity with STEM as for the new education policy. There's a lot of recruitment for PE teachers across the country. So, you know, initiating initiatives by which we can actually 
actually make sure that you know there is an equal opportunity given for women also to step in the roles of a teacher to step in the roles as a coach to step in the roles as a referee or an umpire and actually making sure that even the recruiting is driven in such a manner to make sure that there is there is the entire diversity equity and inclusivity initiatives all that needs to happen a lot of sports organizations out there don't even have any such kind of formal mechanism or any written policy which actually pays attention of act, looking at equal recruitment or achieving gender parity at workplace so a lot of this needs to be incorporated that's what i personally believe yeah i think so and um, through the un women work are you bringing any of these topics into the forum of um, the un um yes like um, cannot really put out a lot of details out there because i've just started working with them but two areas that are of my personal interest where um, you'll probably see me doing a lot of work in in the coming ones is women in sport and a uh, woman leading their own businesses that is women entrepreneurship uh, uh women entrepreneurship mainly uh and this is not just with un women like i recently got selected for linkedin's creator accelerator program also where uh you pitch an idea to linkedin for a particular project that you want to do over a period of 10 weeks where you want to create content uh create awareness which which will create an impact or have some end goal and my topic with women entrepreneurship because i really want to uh promote a lot of women led businesses happening at a grassroots level the kind of struggles they face the lack of awareness with respect to microfinance facilities that are being provided by the government a lack of access to the formal banking system really want to address all these issues so yes in the coming months i'll be doing a lot of work in that direction i think i'll be personally looking forward to gaining from this one and to please keep me in your loop uh, you know so because it's a very new topic for me as well i just started about a year and a half ago and i'm sure that i can um, you know do really more and more work in my second act to also enhance a lot of women second acts here so it'll be a great learning um you also uh, talk about sport social entrepreneurship since you um, talk about uh, entrepreneurship what is that concept because i've heard about it from you know one of your ted talks that it'll be great if we all hear it together and this is a new concept i think <laughs> uh so it's actually a breakdown of a lot of words so the word uh, so social entrepreneurship is when you coin the words <coughs> social and entrepreneurship together so social entrepreneurship is basically running an entrepreneurial venture that's that's not for a profit pur- uh, purpose so it's for a non-profit purpose or your kpis are basically impact with respect to number of children or number of women that you whose lives are trying to improve and a sports social entrepreneurship basically means that social entrepreneurial venture that you are running has sports at the core of it or is using sports as a medium for facilitating change uh, so sport for sustainability is a concept that is very popular across the world it's still coming it's in the very initial stages in india i would say and i have actually delivered my first ted talk based on this concept because i really want to initiate a dialogue in this direction so a uh, sport for sustainability basically means where you use sports as a medium for both individual and community development and why sports is important is because it creates a level playing field for example when you're working with children and especially in our country like india which is so widely torn apart by regional communal sexual and uh, religious disparities yeah. sports provides such a neutral ground where children at a very early age come together they start 
looking at each other beyond one's background or what one's social identity is because on the field what matters is what you bring to the team and the game they start looking at girls with equal power because you know they are, girls are pursuing sport along with them they start uh, dealing with failure in a very positive manner because when they fail they pick themselves up they focus on the next game they learn a lot of important values that they do not learn within the four walls of the classroom and that is what sport for sustainability looks at achieving and this is of course the equality aspects of it there are a lot of other different verticals for it for example there's climate change there is partnerships and a few others for example if i have to talk about climate change there is this particular organization that uh uses recycled plastic for manufacturing surfboards and these surfboards are very popular so you're actually like addressing an environmental cost to it so there are a lot of organizations out there and in india i would say the general culture still is to look at sport as a source of media or entertainment because when i say sport the first thing that comes to someone's mind is cricket or ipl or yeah. fifa and then you just want to go to a stadium or a cheer you want to plan a a game night with your friends but looking at sport from the other side of the spectrum as a tool for social change it's it's not still um, inculcated in a lot of people's minds so that culture needs to come in we need to understand how inclusive sport can be and how powerful it is to really solve our uh, social issues and that is what my organization along with a lot of organizations in india are trying to do currently very impressive and i wish you all the best and i think this is just the starting point and thanks for bringing that concept and talking more about it and working on it so what exactly does your play and shine foundation do uh so we work with children uh, belonging to less privileged backgrounds of the society so it can be children who hail from villages tribal communities even if we're talking about an urban ecosystem from slums or from uh other deprived communities or low income families and 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 moreover so we work with these children and these children generally go to the local schools or the panchayat schools which do not have um, any formal um, sports department or any formal sports resources or even a dedicated pe teacher so we go and provide them an access to sports so we have a lot of volunteers that go and conduct a lot of physical education classes teach a lot of sport and by teaching sport i'm not saying that we're trying to create Olymp- olympians here that's not even the goal it's just about giving them an opportunity to learn something new so if it interests them and they start looking at sports as something they would like to pursue professionally we are happy to provide them a platform or connect them with other individuals who can do that and if not it is still a great learning opportunity for their holistic development and especially in the post covid era now that things are opening up and over the last two years children have literally been glued to their phones which is why the cases of screen dependency disorder are increasing because everything was online they were watching online lectures for 3 to 4 hours and this has happened like across the board so uh really helping children to you know come back to improve their physical literacy quotient to actually get out there and and play together in groups so that they can grow socially and holistically in 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 a 360 degree manner right and i think you know you did speak about failures and did you see any failures in all of these processes that you're working in and um like how did you deal with that so if you talk about uh, failures in my personal life there have been many and uh, now now when i look back i i just think how important they were because more than my achievements i think i have learned more out of my failures and i i get this question asked very often because i'm pretty active on linkedin i almost reply to everyone who pings to me and the most common question 
I get is you know you are an overachiever. Your life is so perfect. You're blessed. You're talented. And trust me, it is just the opposite. I am just one stubborn girl who refused to give up. So even if you see a lot of highlights on my LinkedIn, if I've tried some, if I've tried ten things, I've probably succeeded thrice and I've failed seven times. But the only thing I've been able to do it is because I haven't given up. Because I have like continued to say that it's okay. I mean, even if. I failed today. I'm closer than where I was yesterday. So there have been a whole set of failures, and not just that. There have been a lot of bad career decisions, places where I could have done better, places where I should have probably have probably let go of an opportunity because I just discounted myself or I had this element of imposter syndrome in me. So I, I think as human beings, we none of us are perfect, and it's it's only when you put yourself out there and you know learn to forgive yourself after you fail, your growth starts. So that is why I mean, don't really get uh, misguided by all the achievements. I'm I'm an equally uh, what do you say <laughs> clumsy individual who's had a fair share of failures. I cannot believe that you're saying this. Um, you know, we <clears throat> see people from the outside world, and like you said, your achievements speak louder than life. And when you talk about imposter syndrome again, a topic very close to my heart. And I think women go through this so much. And I talk a lot about it also in a lot of my sessions. Where does imposter syndrome come in our life? What do you think? I honestly don't know. I think that's that's how our minds are uh, engineered in general. Because I used to always feel it's it's probably <laughs> probably me. But the more women I talk to. If we have to take any decision, um, which is again, even if it is very personal to ourselves with respect to our career, we tend to overthink or we think to, um, you know, really put more mind on it because of this entire series of, you know, if this happens, what will happen? What can be the consequences? What can be the best scenario or the worst case scenario? Even today, when I take decisions, there are times that I'm like, okay, Priyal, what's the worst case scenario? Because you you always want to you know be prepared for the worst and be like you know if if you find yourself in the worst case scenario what is the most horrible thing that can happen to you because you keep you keep discounting yourself you keep telling yourself that in in a way you're indirectly telling yourself that you know you're trying this but it might just not work out or probably you're not as good as you, as you think you are for it so it's in general how how we are um, engineered or or in general i don't know if, if it's the upbringing or the kind of society we are brought up in but yeah i mean i i don't know from where i honestly got it but when much later in life i think in my early 20s when i first stumble upon the term imposter syndrome and read up on it i kind of realized that i would be had it for quite a few years now so what's the advice to the women um whom you are coming in your life now looking at um you know the conditions that um, especially the stereotypes that we are in what is the kind of advice you want to give out? Um, so I, I still don't know if I'm the best person to give advice to others. But one advice that I always uh, give myself is is go for it. Like like I mentioned previously, the worst that will happen is you fail, you fall to your face, and you're back to square one. So that's just you going back to where you were if you were if you didn't try. Whereas if you put yourself out there, the the possibilities of things that could work out for you are actually endless you don't know what door opens after that you might discover something new about yourself in the process something that you like or stumble upon some eureka idea or just grow more as an individual and understand yourself better so that's one thing that i always keep telling myself that you know don't let the fear of failure hold you back and 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 take the leap of faith and i, I think through all the failures that i've been through one thing i've realized is that even if i hit rock bottom 
I know I will lift myself up. I know I will put my chin up and I'll tell myself that it's, it's okay. You screwed up, but now keep moving. Don't stop. Mm. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And I think I'm motivated as well when I hear this and uh, more and more. So is there anything that motivates you on an everyday basis? Is there a mentor in your life who's guided you? Is there a book that you often go back to? Or is there anything that you remind yourself with your own self-done phrases of life, like, you know, just go for it? So I think one thing that always uh, drives me is the fact that I journalize a lot. So there was a phase in my life where I... So I, I love daydreaming, by the way. So many a times you might just find me daydreaming out of the whole possibilities of seeing myself somewhere, doing something big and, and all of that. Like. So uh, I, I used to dream a, la- a lot as a kid, but then it just happened that I stumbled upon uh, the whole concept of journalizing, which actually happened through shooting because we have to maintain a regular diary there. And then I just understand that you know, I understood that, you know, dreams will remain dreams if you're not going to pen them down, if you're not going to come up with, a plan of action and if you're not going to give yourself a deadline that you know this is what you need to do to get here and and this this is this is the end goal so I think journalizing really really changed me in a great way and it also helped me develop a lot of clarity because when you write down your short-term and your long-term goals you know where you see yourself one year down the line three years down the line or five years down the line and then taking any decision becomes much much more easier so even if I have to take any career decision today, I immediately map it to, you know, how well aligned it is with where I see myself one year, three years or five years down the line. And if it doesn't make sense to me, it's it's out of my schedule or it's, it's out of my mind. So a lot of people, in fact, ask me, you know, how you stay motivated or how do you manage 10 different things? And you have to cut down on your social life. You have to cut down or sacrifice on a lot of other aspects. But mm-hmm. I honestly um, refuse to look at them as sacrifices, but I instead look at them as investments into where I see myself three years or five years down the line. So I think once you know what matters to you the most, there is an entire shift in perspective and life is much, much, much more easier. And it's you, you know what your priorities are. You know what you have to choose and you know what you have to do. Yeah, the more I'm talking to you, you know, I just had a team meet and these were the kind of questions they were asking me as well that, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you're not able to take rest. Why don't you just do something yourself? And I said, because I have to go somewhere and this is not taxing myself. It is just feeling passionate and into the topic all the time. So I don't get sleep. Yes, but this is for something bigger. But this is so amazing. (laughs) So glad to meet you. (laughs) Okay. And um, so this this podcast is all about second act and um, second act is a is, in a word itself it's a metaphor it, it's something that drives me crazy every day of my life now um, what is your second act so I think it'll be very tough to um, narrow down on one second act and I, I wouldn't see why you should also limit yourself to only one um, second act so there are a lot of things that I do uh, outside of my work or outside of my professional accomplishments and as as much as I hate the fact that there are only 24 hours in a day I love to squeeze them all in so even if today you ask me and you tell me that you know um, now you only have 20 hours in a day so you have to let go of one of them I promise I won't be able to I will figure out a way of how I can still manage to squeeze in whatever I do in the 20 hours a day I have uh, but of course when if, if you have to look at one North Star among all the things that I do I think that has to be sport because 
it's it's because of sport and my love for rifle shooting the ngo happened mm-hmm. and it is still my passion for sport that actually pushes me to keep growing because every time i tell myself that you know like for example i have a pretty intense week and then it's it's a weekend now it's a saturday and i spent my morning with a few children from the ngo visited one of the sites so i could have still told myself that you know i can just sleep in or take it easy but i know that you know every every step i take ahead in that direction or whatever work i do with an ngo more kids are going to be impacted more kids are going to get a chance to pursue sport and i know how passionate i i am about this entire purpose so i think sport has always been that one north star that drives me to do a lot of things so probably that that will be like my main second act beautiful so before you go i have rapid fire questions and um Perfect. it's more to do with some fun side of you uh and so my question <laughs> is um if you were not doing sport ca social entrepreneurship um what else tedx um what would you be doing i have no idea so i definitely know if none of these would have happened uh, i would be doing some form of singing uh, as of now because i started singing at the age of 4 and i did it till the age of 14 in fact i'm just one exam away from being a graduate in singing but then shooting happened and i was preparing for my indian team selections and it was just impossible along with the rigor of preparing for the 10th standard for the indian team selections that i could keep up with shooting so i always tell myself that at any point in time in life when i feel i have the time to actually you know make time or take up something new singing is what it would be so had shooting not happened or had my career would not be as busy as it is right now i would definitely be doing singing beautiful okay so is it um something that you um like you know in at home is there something that really excites you like cooking doing something or like your somebody like who says oh no this is this space is not for me i'm such a sporty person yeah so i think cooking is something that is not for me it's not that i haven't tried i have tried but i think i just don't have what it takes to be a good cook like i i remember uh when i was a kid my mom had told me you know just start with something as basic as maggi and what can go wrong when you make <laughs> maggi like you just have to put yeah. the noodles you have to put the taste maker and you have to put water and you put it on a gas and you just have to watch it and i screwed that up because i put the maggi i put the noodles and then i'm like now what do i do for 2 minutes so i have to do something productive so i sat reading a paper and then 15 minutes i was just reading the newspaper and the entire thing burnt so <laughs> My mom's like you had one job and <laughs> you <laughs> screwed it up. That's quite true. So, and there have been a lot of instances like this with respect to shooting. My struggle with making, uh, with respect to cooking, I think my struggle with making round rotis, my struggle with getting all the proportions right of all the ingredients. So, I think I, I just feel cooking is something that's that's still a distant <laughs> dream, and I don't know when I'll be able to do it. But I know the day I will, my mom will be the happiest human being on this planet. Perfect. Okay, so Priyal, um, Priyal, the best movie that you've ever seen that stayed with you. I think it's the first weight of happiness. Uh, I really love the movie. Uh, really love the storyline and and moreover, uh, there's this one dialogue that's hung in from me from the day I've seen it, and that uh, dialogue goes by the saying that when you have a dream, you gotta protect it, and when you want something you go get go get it don't let anybody else tell you otherwise and and that's one thing that i really follow it's it's written in my diary too <laughs> beautiful um 
one dream that you're still chasing? Oh, yes. I love this question. So people <laughs> often ask me, what is your biggest dream? You've achieved so much till now. But my biggest life goal is to get myself a dog. And this is something that I have been rebelling about aggressively from the age of four or five. Still haven't succeeded in it because my parents are against the idea of getting a dog. So now my life has come to a fact that, you know, become very successful in your career, buy your own house and then get your dog. Oh. <laughs> so the day I get my dog, my ultimate, my, my life is fulfilled. I don't think I will want anything after that. So, okay. So I'm going to wait for that day because um, I had a very beautiful person on my show a few, few days ago and she heads this company called Heads Up for Tales. Oh, and yes, I know that. So um, I'm sure that she can inspire you definitely. And um, (laughs) if nothing else, I think, uh, you know, just going out and just looking for somebody and just sending a a mail or like a photo once you've done, I will be looking forward to that. Um, (laughs) They are a bundle of joy, of course. Uh, The last one is that uh, the fun side of career. So I think the fun side of me is uh, whenever I get to uh, catch up with my friends, I'm, I'm a very fun uh, fun person. Like I'm not someone who will be like, oh, let's meet at someone's house and let's watch a good movie and order pizza. I'm not like that. I, I want to go out. I'll always push my friends. Let's go for a drive. Let's explore some new place. Or like in, in Bombay, there's marine lines and stuff like that. Let's go there or let's go for a na- night out. So if you're around me, there's there's never a dull moment. I'm always charged up. I always want to have a lot of conversations. I always want to go meet new people, explore new places. So I'm not someone who'll be like, oh, if we have to make a plan, let's just like order food, switch on the AC and sit on the sofa. That, that's not at all me. <laughs> I'm just wondering, you know, if te- there was no technology like this, how much people wouldn't know about each other? And uh, thanks to the beautiful platform LinkedIn, I think we must thank this platform who's connected such amazing people, such amazing work that's happening. And it's a very, very inspirational story that, uh, you know, you carry. And uh, I'm sure that with this young and age, if you can do something so incredible, I don't know what's coming in the next few years. So thanks so much. And um, I'm looking forward when we release this podcast and so many more can be inspired and touched by your story. And hopefully somebody's second act will be moved and uh, you know they can make something beautiful out of it so thanks Priya it's definitely honor to have you thanks a lot for having me over and I absolutely loved having this conversation with you and uh, I, I really like the entire concept about talking about second act because people generally talk about careers professions time management but actually talking about who we are as human beings beyond what we actually do in our life I think that's beautiful Thank you. And this is the first time that I have heard something as beautiful as this the second act. And that's exactly what my intention is to work on ourselves as people and also uh, being able to be aware of, you know, who we are and where, what do we want to do and what is something that is still undiscovered, which the second act can bring in. So thank you. Uh, it made my day. Thanks a lot. <laughs>